And as you rest in that deep green place and just kind of marinate in it, you are rewiring literally the visceral core of your body. You are changing your resting state heart rate to a calmer, healthier place. Your respiration rate, your breathing rate is slowing down. You're flushing stress chemicals out of your body. You are marinating in positive chemicals yeah. in your brain. Natural opioids are called uh, endorphins as well. And you're training yourself to, as we said in the, the main show, really, really deepen your metaphorical keel of your personal sailboat in the water by building up this visceral core of calm, strength, contentment, and love. Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and I'm here to inspire your true performance. From the framework established by Zig Ziggler, one of the top motivators and personal development leaders our world has ever known, who believed we could all be more, do more, and have more. How? improve ourselves, beginning with how we think about ourselves. So today, let's break down some personal development. This is our habit show where we walk through the seven spokes on the Ziggler Wheel of Life, and this time we get to do it with Rick Hansen, our guest in show 647, where we talked about resilience and hardwiring happiness. In walking through Rick's habits here, I was intrigued by his exercise of dwelling on being enough that he at any moment is enough. And it struck me how often I don't feel enough. And I know from testimony that so many people suffer from this perspective, this handicap, who we would say, oh my gosh, you're amazing. And yet we still get that uh, feeling of enough or not being enough stuck in it. So really interesting to hear Rick talk about it. Uh, and with Rick, I'll, I'd encourage you also, if you didn't hear it in the last show or in, in the main show, check out his foundationsofwellbeing.com. It's the foundationsofwellbeing.com offering. It's a year-long program for lasting happiness, confidence, and peace of mind. Really significant. Okay, well, hey, I'm just going to dive straight in with Rick after I share some great resources with you. All right, well, here then I bring you Rick Hansen and his personal habits for success. Okay, Rick. Well, and being uh, hardwired for happiness and resilient, I'm, I know you t- and you attested to this a lot in our first show together, the main interview of the things that you have to call on uh, your own you know, tricks and, and trades for yourself to walk this stuff out. So let's go through the seven spokes of the Ziggler Wheel of Life and just hear what are the habitual things that you do to try to be resilient in all of these seven yeah. areas. The first one is just the physical and nutrition side of your life and habits. Yeah, well, I, I love that you're talking about uh, practices and habits and what you do routinely. Um, and I, you make me think of a saying, a teaching that's uh, 2,500 years old, uh, goes like this, quote, think not lightly of good, saying it will not come to me. Drop by drop is the water pot filled. Likewise, the wise one, gathering it little by little, fills oneself with good. Mm-hmm. And that focus on drop by drop by drop is, I think, really, really helpful. For example, physical health. You're not going to kill yourself, probably, by having a Big Mac, just, you know, tons of fat, a delicious hamburger. You're not going to kill yourself. On the other hand, you're not going to save your physical health by having some super duper organic salad somewhere. 
but it's the gradual accumulation over time, yes. drop by drop by drop of, of assets and liabilities, essentially yeah. good things and bad things that really change you. So I'm like you and Zig Ziglar, a real uh, fan of those little things mm -hmm. many times a day that add up to something big in part because they're under our control. They're not super duper ambitious. They're manageable and we can trust them. So physical health, uh, I try to exercise every day, aerobic exercise, really important. Um, I, I try to avoid bad food. You know, we all know the basics. Mm. And uh, I like taking supplements. Uh, to me, worst case, it's expensive urine. And uh, best case, <laughs> molecule by molecule, trillions of them each day, yeah. I'm gradually building up the balance sheet in nutritional status, molecular balance sheet in my body and frankly compensating for some of my bad habits. So that's what I do in that regard. And I would say another thing, I'm a fan of assessment. I'm an information guy. I like knowing what's going on. You know, I want to know what's in the bushes. I want to know out there in the jungle, right? Uh, I want to know how close I am to the edge of the cliff when I'm rock climbing. And I want to know what's going on in my body. And I think a lot of people put off assessments. Mm -hmm. They put off getting a physical or doing even sophisticated uh, labs and lab testing because they just, uh, they don't want to know the, you know the bad news or it just seems too complicated for them. But it's really important to get information. Just because you have the information doesn't mean you're necessarily going to do something, but it will increase the sense uh, that you have of what's actually going on under the hood in your own body. And if something is getting wobbly or seriously awry, it's much better to act early. And to act early, you've got to know early. And so that would be the other thing I would just mention in terms of assessment. Yes, love it. Family and friends. And I know uh, holiday time, you've got uh, two grown kids there. But what are the things, and I say family and friends because it is a family, but also just the close friendships in your life. What are some of the things that you do uh, employ habitually to keep those healthy and strong? Yeah. One is I, I, I value friends. And man, I'm a man, you're a man. Uh, the survey show is called the, the most common number of close friends other than a spouse that men report is one. That's the most common number. And many men report none, zero. So I think for people in general and including men, it's really useful to cultivate friendships over time. And one of the things that I learned from rock climbing and, and also in business is that sometimes you find yourself in a metaphoric foxhole with somebody that would not be your first choice <laughs> at a party to go talk with, but you live through these experiences together, uh, that sometimes even life and death experiences, and you form bonds with each other. And I think that's a great teaching. I never served in the, in the military. I was never in the service, but my dad certainly was. And one thing he and others talk about is you get thrown together with people from very different backgrounds and you find common cause with them. You stick up together, you stand up together and um, you connect. And, and the takeaway from that is to be more tolerant of diversity, including psychological diversity, just mm -hmm. different kinds of people. Um, so I, I value that. I, I really, I have a little saying, us, all thems. In other words, trying to push through our tendency as humans to be narrowly tribal and to discount the suffering or the moral status of the other who's them, doesn't look like me for one reason or another. And so to do deliberate practices of compassion, including for 
people I don't know on the street, strangers on the street, moving through an airport, look at their faces for a few seconds in a row to get a feeling for them and the weight of their weariness, their fatigue, and how they're like you. They're not excited about hauling their suitcase, running for their plane. And, and, and in that sense of common humanity, you can expand the circle of us to include more and more of them, which I think is also really important in the world these days. It doesn't mean you agree with them. It doesn't mean you're going to let them hurt you or those you care about, but you have more capacity to have compassion for them and understanding of them. So I, I do that. And I guess the last thing I'll just say kind of briefly here is to not be a jerk. It uh, goes to the negativity bias. Uh, we have a lot of impact on other people, especially through anger. And as a longtime therapist, I think it's important to make room for anger inside yourself, to feel it, to not be phony about what's really happening inside, but to be, but to, but to be really quite careful about tone and just dropping your, your anger, your irritation on other people. Almost all my mistakes as a father began with my anger of one kind or another. And I'm a pretty mellow guy and still um, it had impact. So that would be the, I guess the last thing I would just say, if there's something that you're angry about, try to sense down into and be aware of maybe what's underneath it, the hurt or the loneliness or the fatigue or other issues that are underneath it and try to be more genuine and courageous in talking about those deeper sources of the anger if you need to deal with it. And also be really careful about just kind of gratuitously dropping your frown and your scowl and your tone or your criticism or your raised voice on other people. Mm, thank you. Well, this next one then in that same frame of mental. And uh, I, as we talked about in the first show, as a guy who is well aware of uh, neuroplasticity, uh, yeah. here's the mental area. So what are some of the you know, daily or habitual things you do for your own mental well-being, mental edge? Mm. Uh, that's a great question. Cause you know, wherever you go, there you are, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you take your mind with you wherever you go. You take your body too, but it kind of fades in the background unless there's some really serious issue with it. And you also move, but otherwise, you move from situation to situation, time to time. You know, those change all the time. But kind of what's in the background of your mind uh, uh, or what traits you have, positive or negative, that are stable and enduring, you take those with you wherever you go. Mm -hmm. So that's really high value to focus on. Um, and so like you, I've been very interested in personal development and healing and, and uh, including the applications of personal development into being successful or of service to others. Uh, you know, that's been a real interest for me. And if I were to bottom line, three suggestions that will take 10 minutes a day or less that will change your life. Uh, one, as you go through your day, half a dozen times a day, look for a moment to slow down for a breath or longer to take in the good. Mm. Let the moment land when the cat crawls into your lap or you finally get the kid to bed or your surly teenager grunts, thanks, dad, you know, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. take a moment to let it sink in. Second, as you go through your day, have one thing at least that you're focused on growing inside yourself, some good intention, some greater patience, some disentanglement from negative resentments or anxieties or other preoccupations, 
some greater skillfulness around certain situations, maybe a spiritual insight, a word, a phrase, a teaching, you're trying to help it sink in. What's one focus that kind of organizes your day as a learner and using, as you know, Carol Dweck's notion of growth mindset? What are you trying to grow over the course of your day? What's your particular thing you're focused on? Third is for sure, for a minute or more every day, if not one to five minutes a day, like when you get up in the morning before you get out of bed or before you go to bed at night or maybe part of your spiritual practice, meditation or prayer, go to what I call deep green. What I mean by that is the green zone of feeling deeply in the moment and enoughness of your needs being met, Mm. which is marked by a sense of peacefulness and calming and calm strength for safety a sense of contentment, gratitude, fullness already comes of satisfaction. And deep green is characterized in terms of our need for connection by a sense of warm-heartedness, a receiving and a giving of caring of one kind or another. And as you rest in that deep green place and just kind of marinate in it, you are rewiring literally the visceral core of your body. You are changing your resting state heart rate to a calmer, healthier place your respiration rate, your breathing rate is slowing down. You're flushing stress chemicals out of your body. You are marinating in positive chemicals in your brain. Natural opioids are called uh, endorphins as well. And you're training yourself to, as we said in the, the main show, really, really deepen your metaphorical keel of your personal sailboat in the water by building up this visceral core of calm strength, contentment, and love inside yourself. So those are the three things I would suggest. It adds up to less than 10 minutes a day. First, as you move through your day, taking the good a handful of time. Second, know one thing in particular you're focusing on growing these days. And then third, uh, come home to deep green, to your resting state in a very deep, authentic felt sense of peace, contentment, and love. I like that term or the word enoughness. Uh, that's just, I don't know, that's a beautiful, and I'll, I'll ruminate on that one. Uh, mm-hmm. the fourth spoke Rick is just financial, uh, mm-hmm. and is a, a guy who's been in, in, in business and different endeavors. What are some of the things that you have done or, or maybe still do for your financial well-being? Yeah. Well, one, I try to learn from a mistake I made, uh, when I was in my twenties, thirties and forties to ignore my parents' advice mm-hmm. to save some money along the way. Mm-hmm. And to go back to that metaphor of drop by drop. Penny by penny, dollar by dollar, uh, or whatever is your currency of choice, yeah. uh, those little drops add up over time. 20 bucks a week, let's say. That's uh, whatever that is. That's $1,000 a year. Uh, over 10 years, over 20 years, you know, things add up over time. And so I would say start early. That's yeah. one thing I, I wish I had learned, and I, I had to catch up fast, yeah. uh, starting around 55. Um, so that's one thing. A second thing is, to kind of know where things are at financially, to get to be real about it. A lot of people, I, have, I do have a business background, they are not very aware of where things really are financially. And you don't have to obsess about every little penny or check QuickBooks every day, but kind of know what's going on. Just like know what's going on inside your body. Know what's going on financially. It's also really important. I, I could have said this about family and friends, to know the status of your relationship, including through the eyes of the other person. What's it like for them to be with you? So I would apply that to money 
you know, know where things are at financially. Yeah. And then just the last thing I would say um, is to really be willing to invest, to invest in yourself, to invest in your business, to invest in your future. I think a lot of people are penny wise, pound foolish, as they say, mm-hmm. you know, they're, <clears throat> they know you, they, they, they uh, are, they, they, they waste their money on stuff that doesn't have much impact, but they're not willing to spend their money on things that actually will have a big impact yeah. for themselves and others, especially over the long haul. So that would be a thing I would say financially. And I'll tell everybody, use that money, go buy Rick's book, Resilient. How's that for a plug? <laughs> that was an unsolicited Thank ad. You. Thank, Thank you. you. Shameless promotion. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Fifth spoke here is uh, spiritual. And I know that's a big part of your life from what I've read of you and from our first show as well. But where are some of the spiritual habits? Yeah. I think that word spiritual, of course, means different things for different people. And so I kind of want to call out two major distinctions or a major distinction. For some people who are agnostic or atheist, they mean that word related to awe, Mm. to a sense of uh, amazingness or awe or mystery. And that's their spirituality. And that's a very important part of mental health and relationships to be able, whether or not a person has a sense of the transcendental, you know, that they're a theist, they're a believer in the divine in God, let's say, as they mean that word. Um, Even without that, people can get the value, as I think Zig was talking about, of spirituality in other areas. Maybe for them, it's how they, what they feel when they're on the edge of the ocean or when they look up at the stars or when they just stare at their newborn kid in their arms and go, wow. Yeah. Uh, that's their spirituality. Great. For me and, and you, and I think for many other people, it's so profoundly important to have a sense of what is transcendental, what is divine, what is godly, and to become increasingly accessible to that, to rest our mind on that. Um, my own background, uh, uh, to be Cards on the table, as you say. I was raised a casual Christian, a casual Methodist. Uh, not much real spirituality in my family growing up. Um, I am very trained in Buddhism, which is kind of trans-religion. It's beyond, you know, you can apply it to just any kind of spirituality, really, because it's a great training of the mind. Um, uh, and simultaneously, like the Buddha, the Buddha believed in God. He didn't talk about it a lot. He used a certain kind of way of talking about it, but he clearly was referring to something outside of ordinary reality that was very fundamental to complete liberation from suffering and the most, the highest happiness and inner peace. So, um, you know, I, I draw on, on that uh, background uh, to help myself become more and more accessible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way I think of it is that development work, including healing from uh, what's bad, quote unquote, and the cultivation of what's good is for me metaphorically a way to kind of gradually clear away the dirt and the mud and the sludge and the ick on the stained glass windows of the mind so that the light that was always already there can shine through more brightly. It's a great picture. Uh, Great visual. Thank you for that. Career is the sixth 
one. And uh, obviously we're benefiting from your career. I'm sure you have a lot of opportunities and directions. And again, I'll call back to the sabbatical you're about to go on. It seems like you are uh, pretty clear on your direction, but what are some of the things that you have put in place to keep your career on the path that you feel is best? Yeah. One uh, thing, when I look back uh, in my own career choices and missed choices, right? There's a saying in medicine, uh, good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. Bad judgment, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've had a lot of experience. Uh, I think that one, in terms of career choice, it's helpful to think about the intersection of three circles. First, what do you just love doing? Maybe not directly related to vocation or occupation. Just what do you love doing? What do you really enjoy? What makes your heart sing? Second, what are you talented at? Not just skilled at, talented at. When you walk into a room and you're doing that particular thing, like spicing the spaghetti sauce or understanding another person deeply or uh, you know, fixing a motor or arranging something visually or physically, what are you really talented at innately? And then third, what do you care about? What do you value? What are your deepest commitments? So imagine the intersection of those three circles, Mm -hmm. your loves, your talents, and your values. If your career is rooted at the intersection of those three circles, the rest is details. The rest is about how to make the most money or how to sequence certain things or where do you want to live and who do you want to do it with. Um, But that intersection is really, really useful to think about, especially if people are wandering at all. That's one takeaway. The other takeaway I alluded to it, I think, in passing, maybe in the main interview, I'll just say it again briefly, which is to realize that the investment you make in your career, taking on student loan debt, um, spending a year or two as an apprentice, essentially, from someone who's really masterful at something, uh, practicing again and again and again to get good at some craft uh, uh, or, uh, or calling, the investment you're making at the front end of your career in your teens and 20s and maybe later that cost is amortized, as it were, over the full duration of your life. It's spread out. On the other hand, the benefits of that investment you make early on accumulates exponentially over the long term. And I've seen a lot of people, me included, who are short-sighted. They didn't make investments in their teens and 20s and even their 30s, if not longer, in their business or their occupation, including in their own skills, their own training. Um, because, oh my gosh, I don't want to sleep on the floor for a year. I don't want to eat noodle ramen only. I did all that. Uh, I don't want to be stone broke when I get out of grad school. Uh, I don't want to have to do the work. I don't want to sit through those stupid classes and take those dumb tests. They're not willing to, to pay the price at the front end, but then they don't reap the rewards at the back end. So that for me is another big takeaway about career. And then the last thing I would just say is, goes back to the law of little things. You know, I have written now five books. I'm working on a sixth. And it kind of blows my mind that I can actually say that. Just not as a brag, more like, what? Yeah. <laughs> How'd that happen? And the thing I've really learned is that if you can spend half an hour a day on something, get up half an hour earlier, go to bed half an hour earlier so you can get up in the morning and work on your business, work on your business plan start writing your blog, start banging away at your PowerPoint slide sets, you know, prep the talk, just that half hour a day. Maybe some mornings you skip, maybe on the weekend you catch up a little extra, 
that half hour a day, if you just think about it, accumulated over a whole year is like is 150 hours of work. It's like God says you get a 13th month every year to build your business. Everybody else gets 12. You get 13. And would you like that? Could you do something with it? You bet you could. So those little things, that half hour a day or whatever your number is, that you bang away at something, your business, your website, uh, your book, what have you, can really accumulate over time. And that's under your control to do. Drop by drop, back to where we started on the first spoke for sure. Well, so the last one here is personal. And I, you know, of course, all of it's personal. But I try to frame that in the things that you do just for you. It's joy, it's play, it's a hobby. I know you've already talked multiple times about your outdoors adventures, but the things that you do, well, I'll put it in your vernacular for your well-being. Oh, sweet. Wow. You know, it's funny. A way to answer that is to expand the field of what you love, in a sense. Like one thing that's happened for me and uh, just – partly through the practices I've done over time is, boy, it takes so little to just make me happy or I'm kind of mind blown by one thing or another. Uh, And the more able you are in a wide field to see the beauty in a grain of sand, you know, glinting in the sunlight as it's embedded in a sidewalk, the more able you are to do that or to see the goodness in another person walking past you as a stranger on the street, uh, the more able you are to appreciate life, uh, you know, and if that's as meaningful for you as a frame, to really appreciate God's gifts, the the universe and everything else inside mm-hmm. it. Uh, so I think that's a good thing to cultivate over time. And so for myself, I guess I love wilderness. I love the outdoors or even I'm getting old now, you know, I, so I'm more like I'll watch other people do it. Uh, crazy stuff like Extreme sports, uh, surfing. I've never surfed in my life. I grew up in around the ocean, body surf. I never really surfed. I love watching that stuff. I love watching, you know, uh, things that are set in the outdoors. I also, I would say, I love science and the discoveries. Like, we're getting now photos sent back to us from little R2-D2 units on mm-hmm. Mars. And we are the first humans in the entire history of this planet who've seen a sunrise and a sunset on Mars. Wow. You know, wow. I just love that stuff. I totally geek out on that stuff. I love learning new things. So that's a lot of fun. And then I'll confess, my wife and I will routinely watch uh, just like a TV show. Like, you know, they just kind of enjoy it, hang out. Um, I like that. Maybe I'll just finish on this point, um, thinking about my wife of 36 plus years. And, uh, you know, one thing I really enjoy, it really feeds me and it's important. Uh, in addition, I would say to my own spiritual life, which is very important to me, uh, is feeling love. Mm-hmm. Love flowing in, love flowing out. Love is love either way, flowing in or flowing out. And the little aspects of love, not just the million-dollar moments or the fireworks, but just the subtleties. You touch someone you care about. uh, You lean against them. You look at them, and you know you could say something that would come from impatience or irritation or resentment, and you just restrain it. And in the moment, you feel good about that. You don't need to dump that on them. Or you see something in them that's likable, appreciable, or lovable, Uh, even if they're not your best buddy, even if you don't know them well. 
and resting in that experience of love, you know, is a very personally meaningful and rewarding experience. Ah, well, hey, this time with you has been a very rewarding experience, Rick. I thank you for letting us have a little behind the scenes uh, look and also just your own from your experience. You have some guidance and how we can maximize each of these areas. It has truly been a gift to spend this time with you. Thank you so much. It's been an honor for me, Kevin, and a pleasure. Uh, thank you very much. Well, I hope you got value from that show there, friends. Again, I'd highly encourage you to check out Rick's site, thefoundationsofwellbeing.com, and the offering there. It's a year-long program for lasting happiness, confidence, and peace of mind. If you got value from the show, please let Rick know. Leave a review in iTunes for The Ziggler Show. Though even better, think right now of someone you care about who could get value from this message and forward it on to them, just like you would a good movie you enjoyed. Coming up next in show 650, we have a significant discourse on the topic of retirement. I'm bringing you a two-minute clip from Zig Ziglar, and it's on retirement. And as you'll hear in the show, it's a little, it could be controversial, but the point is just massively valid regarding retirement, if that is your goal and expectation. Uh, From the message, I asked this question on my personal Facebook page, do you look forward to retiring? Why or why not? Goodness, real quickly, we had over 60 comments and two very distinct sides. And the comments were all so valuable that I changed my format. And instead of having one of my regular co-hosts join me, I read through the majority of the comments uh, just straight through. Then simply posed some questions at the end to leave us all to ponder our own perspectives and desires. Really interesting show, I think. And it's relevant pretty much to everyone. Uh, So, hey, until then. Thank you, as always, for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.